0: So Deuteronomy 6, actually, which we're going to read from in a moment, it ties in well with the story of Joshua, because the book of Joshua is about new beginnings. And it tells the story of the Israelites entering the promised land after their 40 years of wilderness wandering. So Deuteronomy 6 points to that story of the promised land of Canaan, and then the eventual crossing of the Israelites over the Jordan River. But Deuteronomy 6 occurs 40 years earlier, in history because the israelites they are being instructed and they're being told and, and and encouraged to be obedient to god but they blew it and they became disobedient and 40 years in the wilderness so full disclosure here um, for our regular attenders this passage you may notice uh, remember that it was preached two years ago actually i think this month But I figured since I had to look back to see what it was preached, and I actually had to look back to see what I preached on, I figured I was in good company. So uh, some of you may remember it. Um, It's not the same sermon, don't get me wrong, but I'm hoping there's some common themes that you're going to hear or remember, uh, but also trusting that you're going to hear new things as well. So before we read from God's word, let's come to God in a time of prayer. We thank you, God, for your ancient words, words of instruction, words of challenge, words of love and grace given through you and your son, Jesus. May this reading be impressed upon our hearts, and may you bless this reading and the preaching and the listening. In Jesus' name, amen. So Deuteronomy 6, verses 1 to 9, you can follow along on your Bible apps, or it'll be on the screen as well. Verse 1, these are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you, to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you, and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. And these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Curtis and Cassidy, I don't want to seem like I'm rushing things here since Grayson is only a couple months old. But it's not going to be long when he's going to come up to you and say, Mom and Dad, can I have the keys to the car? Many children and teens cannot wait till they turn 16 to begin the process of getting their driver's license. Driving is exciting, and driving allows you so much freedom. Teens look forward to their freedom already when they get that G1 and then the G2, and then ultimate freedom when they get their G license. And once teens, once you have your G, I mean, you can just drive down those open roads Go through to any of the drive-thrus you want it to. Uh, you can drive your friends to the movie. You can even drive yourself to church on Sunday mornings. When you learn to drive, you become a person with freedom. Now, as we heard from the children's message, too, with Lego, instructions are needed. With driving, instructions are needed. Instruction comes from the community in the form of online videos, in-class instruction and likely a driver instructor, instructor, such as Mr. Yonker. Instruction comes from the family and likely years of watching your mom and dad, of course, with their, all their good driving habits, and maybe sometimes their bad driving habits. Part of that instruction is being told that you can't put diesel in where it says unleaded fuel only, that you don't put windshield wiper fluid where it says engine oil only, Now, if certain rules or instructions or guidelines, whatever you want to call them, if these certain things were not taught to you, then your freedom would likely only get you as far as your driveway. You can have the fastest, the newest, the hottest ride. But having improper or no instructions will not get you too far. Learning to drive and driving on your own brings an enormous amount of freedom. And with that freedom, it comes with instruction, responsibility, and obedience. And I think you can see where we're going with this. Because God provides us a lot of freedom. We have freedom through his son, Jesus Christ. And along with this freedom, we are provided God's word. And his word is not to prohibit our freedom, but his word is to protect us, to direct us, so that, as we heard already through the children's message, too, that we can enjoy more and more freedom. We can enjoy our life. Freedom in Christ also comes with instruction, responsibility, and obedience. Now, Some of you here who are regulars know of a common Reformed phrase that I love to repeat over and over. And what better day to say a Reformed phrase on than Reformation Day, right? October 31. But that phrase is how God, and maybe some of you can finish it, how God initiates. And we? All right. if You guys have been listening. How God initiates and we respond. Today, we are again reminded through Kurt's profession of faith, through Grayson's baptism, how God initiates and how we are called to respond. And so, as we continue with this message this morning, we will first focus on how God initiates, what God has done for us, for his people, and how we can respond. So, we see God initiate his amazing grace throughout the scriptures God, out of grace, he initiated the creation of this world. The world fell into sin, and and then what does God do? He initiates a plan of salvation. He initiates a plan of restoration. And he does this through his son, Jesus Christ, the promise. God initiated promises with Adam and Eve. He initiated promises with Noah and with Abraham. God made a covenant, an agreement, a partnership with his people, with Israel. Israel. In the book of Deuteronomy, God again initiates promises. And he does this with Moses and and with the people of Israel. Prior to our reading in Deuteronomy 5, the Ten Commandments are actually restated again. We get them in Exodus 20, but we also get them in Deuteronomy 5. God has reached out to be their God. He's reached out to be there for Israel, his chosen people. God has brought Israel out of Egypt from slavery and god reminds them how he provides for all their needs that he takes care of his people so our reading in deuteronomy 6 god again reminds them of this promised land that they're about to inherit this land that flows with milk and honey and so god provides them further instructions to fear the lord meaning to follow god and to instruct the next generation God is the God who again instructs his people on the best way to live and to enjoy life. God is a God of love. He's a God of grace. He has reached out to his people. And he calls us to respond. To respond to him, to reach back to him. Again, maybe you can visualize that handshake analogy that we heard earlier. When God instructs us and invites us to serve Him and love Him, He is inviting us to live a life that is best. Because He desires what is best for us. And when we keep our focus on Him and continue to love Him and, and will, as what Scripture says, enjoy life, that's what will happen. It says it in these words in Deuteronomy 6. We will enjoy life. We will live our lives to the fullest. Just like driving instructions gives us freedom on the roads, Faith instructions from God's word gives us a story of Jesus who gives freedom in our lives. God initiates His amazing grace through His word and His Son, Jesus Christ. And we are called to respond. When God initiates a covenant, it's, it's not a one-sided thing. Again, it's a partnership. God calls His people to partner with him, to respond. So it's in Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 and 5, we hear these words. We read a statement and how the people of Israel can respond with a profession of faith. It says, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And these commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. And this phrase is what the Jewish people over and over again and continue today profess. It's called the Shema. And Shema is the Hebrew word meaning to hear. So when the Israelites would hear these words proclaimed, Hear, O Israel, they would know that this is the Shema. Shema, or Shema, O Israel. And then they would respond, The Lord our God, the Lord is one. They profess their faith. There is only one true God in which we profess our faith. We have one Lord. We profess one faith. It's in several places in the Psalms and the prophets that we are reminded by the, the authors that, that the Lord our God is one. There is no God like our God. And then the same theme, the same thing continues in the new testament ephesians 4 verse 4 the apostle paul proclaims his one faith when he writes this there is one body and one spirit just as you were called to one hope when you were called one lord one faith one baptism one god and father of all who is over all and through all and in all we profess our one lord and savior and profess that we are not our own But we belong to this one Lord and Savior. We sang those words earlier. This one Savior, Jesus Christ, has fought the devil. He has taken all our sins upon him. This one Savior has given us freedom. And we can look forward in hope when all God's faithful and true promises will be fulfilled. Hear, O Israel. Hear, O Exeter. The Lord your God is one. Serve the Lord your God, the creator of heaven and earth, savior of the world, Holy Spirit who works in you and in the church and in this world. Together we profess our faith in our one God. Now, then this passage takes it another step. Because God knows the importance of the parents and the communities in the lives of his children, in the children. God knows that adults need to be reminded and taught over and over again about who God is, what God has done. God knows how easy it is for people to turn away from him. God saw this happen in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve, as perfect as they were created, they chose to do their own thing. God saw this with the chosen nation of Israel. He saw this several times. God is patient. And he's gracious with his people. God reminds Moses to teach the adults. To teach the adults that they are to pass on the stories of God's promises and God's faithfulness to the next generation. They're to pass on, the, yes, the commands and decrees of God to the next generation. But also, as we read later on in the passage, they're to pass on God's stories and his faithful promises and all that God is doing. The next generation needs to know God and to follow God. Again, just as a teen is instructed in their journey to drive, children and teens are to be instructed in their journey towards faith in Jesus just like driving instructions are to provide freedom and safety in the car, God's instructions and commands are to provide freedom and safety in our lives. And as verse 2 again repeats, or we've said this already, but if there's two states, if you keep the command, you will enjoy life. In North America, according to CBC, reliable source, there's an increasing number of teens who are choosing to not get their driver's license at an early age. Many teens are getting too busy to do so. Some are saying it's too expensive to own a car and let alone pay insurance. Others say that they're just going to depend on other people for rides or public transportation if they're fortunate enough. They may choose to get their license later in life, but it doesn't necessarily get easier to do so, so they may choose to not get their license at all. Also in North America, less and less teens are getting exposed to the gospel. Again, perhaps life is too busy, or they can't be bothered, or there's more important things in their minds that they need to follow instead of Jesus. Or that maybe they're not being taught by the, ne- the older generation. Much research has been done. And basically, if someone reaches adulthood and has not decided to follow Christ, the likelihood of that person following Jesus is rare. The gospel of Jesus Christ is most impacting with children and teens. A study of adult Christians noted that two-thirds of adult Christians came to Christ before the age of 18. In this passage this morning, Scripture emphasizes the next generation. Moses proclaimed in verse 7, Impress them, referring again to the decrees and commands and and the stories of God. Impress them on your children. We have an opportunity to, to pass that on to children. To pass on the stories of God's faithfulness. And meaning to your own children and to other children. Instruct children in God's word. Instruct them in the stories. Impress upon them. The Hebrew word for impress is a word that's often used in the context of a sharp tool. And this sharp tool inscribes words into a stone tablet. So the image that we are being presented with is actually one of engraving. The engraving is this long and daunting task, but more so the words are engraved or impressed into the stone tablet. The words are there to stay. Impress. Impress them to your children. Now verse 7 continues to state, talk about them when you sit at home or when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. And furthermore, the people are to tie them as symbols on your hands, bind them on your foreheads, write them on the door frames of your houses, and on your gates. This passage is encouraging families to be intentional. Finding intentional time to read scripture with the children. Finding times to pray with the children. We need to be intentional. Now, children are also instructed through actions. So in addition to intentionality and formal training at home, youth are trained by example. Just as children and youth are watching and learning as a parent drives a car, children and youth are watching and learning in all areas of life, including parents' relationship with Jesus. So the family unit is where faith formation takes root. And as a family unit, yeah, you're going to impact your own family and likely other family units in your community as well. God's Word also encourages the community as a faith-forming partner. Deuteronomy 6 verse 9, it was not only stated to write these commands on the doorposts of your houses where the whole family lived, and of course in those days it was not just mom and dad and kids, it was a bigger family, So where your whole family lives, you're to write them on the doorpost. But it also said to also write them on the gates. The gates weren't part of the house. The gates were part of the city. They were city gates. The city gates were part of the Jewish community. And the Jewish community was involved in forming the faith of the youth in their community. The community is not to replace the family, but rather complement family faith formation. So today, when it comes to instruction by the community, if we're writing these commandments and writing the gospel message on the city gates, the community would probably mean the Christian church. And for many families in our geographic communities, the church may be the only opportunity where faith formation may occur for some families. So the church is to reach out to children who are being instructed in faith by their family at home, but also to reach out to children who do not know about Jesus. And it's at each child's baptism that we make a commitment, and we're reminded of previous commitments, that we will be involved in the faith formation of children. You see, that's part of our covenantal responsibility as a family and as a church family. So as a church, we're called to be energetic and creative with respect to children's and youth ministries. And, and too often we make a comment that the children and the youth are the future of the church. But that's only half truth. The children and the youth are the present of the church. They, we, you can say, sure, they're going to be future leaders of the church. But they are the present. They are the now of the church. Today, we are witness to parents and community coming together to teach the next generation about our one triune God. Curtis and Cassidy, you were blessed to be brought up in Christian families and surrounded by Christian community. God's grace was shown to both of you at your baptisms, and the community was able to partner in your faith journey. Grayson has been blessed to be part of a a Christian family with the two of you and and beyond that and welcomed into a Christian community this morning. And we can commend each of you and your families, but it's not to commend the parents or even the churches. It's all on account of God's amazing grace. And all thanks and glory be to God. So this celebration today reinforces this principle from Deuteronomy 6 that parents and community are to respond by teaching children about our one God our one Lord our one Savior our God is concerned for his people our God is concerned for the next generation he wants children to live out the good news of the gospel throughout their life God wants children to have freedom and salvation through Jesus Christ. So for the children who are here and young people here and those present online, children, young people, I encourage you to listen closely. God wants Jesus impressed into your hearts. God wants you to know him and to love him. And he wants you to know that he loves you. That you belong to Jesus in this life and in the next life. That you belong to your faithful Lord and Savior. He wants you to know. We heard the words already mentioned to Grayson. But he wants you to know that Christ was born. That he lived. He suffered. He died. And he rose for you. For your salvation. So that you know... That you have the forgiveness of sins through the body and blood of Jesus Christ. God's word challenge, challenges each one of us to follow our one true God. and God desires us to respond, to respond to His amazing grace and to His promises, to respond through baptism, to respond through profession of faith, to respond by being significant partners in God's covenantal promises and in the faith journey of all children and youth, whether they're in the church community or in the geographic communities. God's word challenges us, and it's a big challenge, to impress the gospel news upon the next generation so that the next generation will take opportunity to respond in faith to Jesus and to share this news with their children and their children's children together we say amen let's pray our father our one father one savior one spirit we bless you and we praise you for all that you have given to us and all that you are and you have given us freedom through the sacrifice of your son jesus christ and you've given us new life and forgiveness of all our sins and eternal salvation we thank you and we love you And may we respond in obedience to your will, sharing your good news with others and sharing your good news with children and youth. We thank you for the body of believers and the diversity of ages in this body. And we pray for blessing, for your blessing on all generations and particularly on the next generation. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen.